Welcome to Risk Roundup. As we see across nations today, most organizations are centralized, whereas markets in general are decentralized. Now, when blockchains coupled with token incentive systems facilitate decentralization and takes a step forward to being a global computer network to bring nations a new economic world order, they are slowly but steadily emerging as a strong competitor to traditional organizations and markets. From smart contracts to decentralized autonomous organizations, the framework for creating and executing the type of rule systems that enables socioeconomic coordination is already being laid across nations. As a result, without any barriers to boundaries, anything that is built on the evolving blockchain platform today and in coming tomorrow will likely have a global reach. So as blockchain technology triggered move from a centralized system approach to a decentralized one begins to redefine and redesign the entire cryptography economy from scratch, it is important to understand why we are moving away from centralization towards a decentralized crypto economy and where it will take us. To discuss crypto economics further, I'm delighted to welcome Professor Wolf Karl to Risk Roundup. Professor Karl, a leading expert at the intersection of law, business, and technology, is an emerging technology strategist, and his research focuses on innovation, technology, emerging technology applications, smart contracts, initial coin offerings, hedge funds, and dynamic regulatory methods. He's based in the United States. Welcome, Professor Karl. We are so very honored to have you on Risk Roundup. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Wonderful, Professor Karl. So uh, let's talk about the designing a new economic system. Designing any new economic system from scratch is a very complex challenge and undertaking. Now, this is especially very complex as we move towards a decentralized approach from a centralized approach and human behavior and interaction plays a key role in the crypto economy we are trying to build. So do we know what we want with these new crypto economic systems we are trying to build across nations? Uh, okay, so first of all, um, what you're describing is, is very rosy and it sounds very good. Um, and a lot of people are buying into it, but um, it's we're not there yet. So even the word that decentralization is one of those buzzwords that very few people really know what it means and what the implications are. So um, the first of all, decentralized commerce doesn't exist right now because we don't have the infrastructure to facilitate its existence. And so I represent Samada and I represent uh, the Samada Research Institute and one of our foundational insights is that the vision of decentralized commerce and what the social goods that you can build on top of it is something that we are obviously very interested in um, and that is sort of part of our mission. But the infrastructure to get us there just doesn't exist right now. There's a lot of uh, hype about solutions, technological solutions, emerging technology solutions that are nascent uh, at a minimum, um, to, to put it light, uh, lightly. <laughs> and there's so many problems with these, these, um, these intended solutions that one of the, the main missions of Samada is to actually create 
the the research foundation for for the proliferation and the creation of future uh, infrastructure development for what you call decentralized commerce. Simply sending currencies back and forth, cryptocurrencies and trading on cryptocurrencies, that's not decentralized commerce, right? That's just a new form of trading mechanism uh, with a new form of money. And there's value in that. There's no question about it. But truly decentralized commerce necessitates additional uh, solutions that simply exist. And I'm going to talk about how we at Samada look at this and what, what we believe are the, the core foundations for creating uh, blockchain for good via decentralized commerce. Yes, I, I, I think I hear your point and I agree with you because at this point, we just don't have an infrastructure to have the decentralized economy. It is giving us the founding principles on which we can explore and we can define rules and we can build this uh, Possibly, you know, what is going to be is an Internet 2.0, which will be much more secure and it, it will give us this uh, framework and foundation to have that uh, decentralized commerce or uh, we, we can build any decentralized system on that. It, is, it could be commerce, it could be, you know, governance system. We, we would be able to build on that, but we don't have that infrastructure yet. And uh, moreover, if we don't have the rules that are not properly defined or correctly defined, any decentralized system will likely collapse and fail. And uh, I mean, we are seeing so many experiments, so many go, uh, going on across nations from energy industry to financial industry. I mean, it's not just the Bitcoin or cryptocurrency, but there are also a lot of other initiatives that are emerging. And if for any and all of those emer emerging initiatives, if we don't define the rules effectively they are going to likely collapse and fail in the coming years and having said that blockchains are not about bringing to the world any one particular rule set they are about creating the freedom to create a new mechanism with a new rule set extremely quickly and pushing it out so while we are still trying to understand what we can build on blockchain and how do we ensure that giving the freedom to create this new rule set as necessary will incorporate not only the existing you know, blockchain applications or blockchain uh, uh, rules that we are trying to create, but also the emerging blockchain applications and uh, economic systems that we are trying to create. So do you see that, that, you know, how do we, do you see how individually and collectively nations can ensure that, how can we give this freedom to create this new rule set that will not only incorporate today's vision, but also the coming tomorrow's vision. Yeah, so I, I share your passion for, uh, for what is possible in this space, but our emphasis is not about um, talking about the grand vision. Our emphasis is really on technology, technology solutions. And uh, if you want, we can talk a little bit about what we see as true need for technology that enables some of the, 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 the solutions that you're talking about. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who have grand visions and no technology. Uh, in our estimation, there is no grand vision and no implementation unless you actually build the technology. No, I, I can understand that. But let, let's talk very briefly about the, uh, I mean, blockchain, as you know, in theory, everybody says it's a technology of decentralization and it's an open platform in the same way that internet is an open platform. So what characteristics of open decentralized systems will bring us that dynamic efficiency to 
redefine and redesign systems using blockchain do you see that uh, approach to the economics of blockchain is going to be similar to the economics of internet yeah again we let's talk about technological so solutions that these grand comparisons they don't work as far as i'm concerned uh, we need to talk about tech solutions, right? What is needed to facilitate yes. um, facilitate infrastructure solutions that facilitate these decentralized commerce? First of all, we should really talk about what is what is decentralized commerce because a lot of people have different understandings. And one thing that we at Samada recognize is needed is a um, an agreement on definitions of terms, right? Um, so. If you talk to one person, one person may think of decentralized commerce as one thing, whereas another person thinks of something completely different. So for us, decentralized commerce is, is linked to anonymous transactions through crypto technology. And keep it very, very broadly, right? So if you remove certain elements that afflict us as a human race, uh, that create biases through anonymous decentralized commerce and the technology, you're creating arguably new solutions for value exchange that are unprecedented. Meaning you don't judge people based on your inherent human biases, but for purpose of uh, trade and execution and commerce, but you judge them based on other metrics, right? And we can talk about what, what those other metrics may or may not be. Those other metrics right now don't exist. What we do is we just trust the code. We just assume that these coded solutions work. And based on our assumption, if you're a true believer, you enter into transactions with, with, with counterparties. Of course, there are many problems, bugs uh, in, in code. Uh, so I teach coding for lawyers. And I can tell you, if even if I spend half a year on 150 lines of code in different uh, en environments, there will be bugs and uh, unanticipated consequences that will affect outcomes of the code in different in different settings, right? So because of that, we need a form of a backstop. And that for now has to be a human level backstop. And that's a it's another core, uh, if you want, assumption in model. The existing smart contracting um, um, setup is actually a form of um, creating suboptimal commerce solutions in the sense that if you trust the code and you only trust the code and the, the preordained coded solutions, you, you stop focusing on the relationship, right? You, you, will, you will ultimately only focus on your personal benefit, not on the, the sort of a holistic approach towards the relationship with the counterparty. In centralized commerce, we have backstops in the sense that you have uh, your personal reputation, uh, the ongoing relationship with the counterparty, the reputation and your, the, your perception in the community that incentivize pro of course, it's a small system. In decentralized coded solutions, you don't have that. You just have the code. And everybody who is engaging in decentralized anonymous commerce ultimately will try to uh, maximize their own utility because they can and the system is set up to facilitate that now a lot of folks in the community are saying no no no, the code coordinates this this is quote unquote is another buzzword uh, uh, trustless tr commerce right the problem with trustless commerce is that you ultimately only are 
following the preordained code, and while doing that, trying to maximize your own utility without focusing on your reputation and the relationship um, for the greater benefit of uh, creating decentralized commerce, right? And that's a core flaw. So it's not just the code and the bug in the code. It's also that the way centralized, decentralized commerce by way of smart contracting is set up is, is setting up the, the wrong incentive design for people because yeah. it focuses and it gives them the ability to to focus exclusively on their own utility, whereas they should look at the larger, uh, larger picture in in uh, in engaging with the technology and using smart contracts. So Samada looks at this and says, we need to have a, um, a different solution. So our solution is based on the assumption that we need a an incentive design that overcomes these problems with um, a focus on personal utility um, and uh, boundary rational behavior in this context. No, I, I hear you on that. And the example you gave about the smart contract, I mean, uh, a lot of people ask me that question too, that, you know, smart contracts brings the trust. And I am telling them that it's not just the code, computer code that gives us the trust, it's the ecosystem that we will build around that smart code and smart contract. Because yeah. basically this is, you know, uh, we were using paper and pen so far. It's a smart contract is what? A contract management system. So, so far we have been using paper and pen to define contracts and then, then it supported by the legal and, you know, the regulatory system that we have and the contract management system that we have developed over the years. Now, instead of paper and pen, we are going to use the computer code, the smart code, uh, as you know, the smart contract. And that will replace just the paper and pen, but it's not going to replace the entire system. The entire system will still remain the same, perhaps it will be in a different format. So the intermediaries, the nature of the intermediary is going to change. The nature of how we do things will change. But perhaps, you know, the, not the entire systems, they're not going to change because blockchain is an economic world of completed contracts. And whereas most in the world, forms of, you know, decentralized autonomous organizations are largely entirely made of incomplete contracts. So that is also going to perhaps, you know, create a lot of uh, confusion and it's going to, we'll have to figure out solutions because how will this play out compared to the traditional contract management system where, you know, we don't focus only on the completed contracts. We also focus on the in-process contracts and uh, the, this entire system based on the smart code and the smart contract is very different than how the contract management works currently. So how do you see that playing out compared to the traditional contract management system we have currently? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good and very complex, um, a big question that you're, you're raising. So to create the ecosystem for decentralized commerce, so smart contract exchanging, building more complex smart contracts, uh, building um, quote unquote smart cities, smart harbors, all these, these new automated uh, solutions that are based on the technology, they all go back to the core elements, right? So you have coded solutions that are flawed and you, you have an incentive design that really makes people maximize their own utility without focusing too much on the common good, right? And this is these two elements. So the bugs, the unanticipated consequences, and the fact that people are not correctly incentivized in smart contracts and focus pretty much only on their, their personal utility, those are, those are some of the core problems that need to be fixed. So 
once you fix those problems, once you once you change the environment, once you, once you create an, an infrastructure, uh, if you want a framework for smart contracting, now we can proliferate. But you, we don't have that right now. We only have uh, individual <clears throat> crypto startups fighting for their own uh, niche, their own market share, uh, their own um, proliferation of their coin, whatever you want to call it, right? That's a major problem in this space. You can't create these solutions unless you have infrastructure yes. a, um, a collaborative effort between those individual uh, hubs or silos, if you want, right? So it's the infrastructure, it's the, the bugs in the code, it's the fact that we have the wrong incentive mechanisms in smart contracts, and uh, the fact that we don't have um, cross-silo um, collaboration in the space. Now, there's some projects that work on this. So um, there's, there's certain Tezos, there's uh, Parity, there, um, there's Polkadot, there's all kinds of tr attempts to try and work on these, on these problems. Um, most of them, however, are largely based on the existing framework. So Ethereum and Bitcoin, proof of work, proof of stake solutions. In our estimation, it takes, it takes more than that. To create infrastructure, you have to change the basic parameters of block propagation, of consensus design. So for Samada, it's a, it's a proof of uh, stake based on um, reputation verification systems. So these are DAOs. I'm not going to get into the technic technicalities. Um, we believe that you can, you can create the infrastructure environment that creates trust in these, uh, these um, in decentralized commerce and, and counterparties through reputation verification systems. For us, it goes to the very core. The core consensus algorithm itself is a, a, uh, a reputation verification consensus mechanism. So everything flows from that. Without those basic solutions as a backstop to smart contracting, building reputation in DAOs, there is no infrastructure solution. You can also create cross-silo um, um, connectivity in, with, with, with this design. So what people have done so far to try and address these problems in the in the space um, is wonderful. We support it. We want to work with um, all of those solutions. The problem is that they're based mostly of, on the existing research that went into um, hash mining, proof of work, proof of stake, and we haven't really seen the the consensus algorithm solutions that allow us to build this infrastructure and overcome those those solutions. And so Samada Research Institute is developing these protocols. So we are um, all academics, all independent, and um, we have uh, computer scientists, um, economists, finance people. Um, I myself I have a, a, a um, economics background, and I teach law um, as a professor. Uh, my co-founder in Samada Research Institute is a mathematician. Uh, Craig Calcaterra, a dear friend of mine, uh, who is a leading expert in dynamical systems, and used all of this mathematical expertise to create uh, the Samada Protocol uh, core um, for now. And um, so, yeah, so we we believe in a in a um, in a new way of of looking creating the contracting infrastructure that um, that for smart contracts that create trust based on which we can create the infrastructure that's needed with the right incentive design to facilitate um, uh, the 
the benefits of decentralized commerce and the benefits of decentralized commerce. So again, decentralized commerce does not exist right now. Um, the benefits of decentralized commerce are very, very hard to quantify because we can overcome part of the human condition through anonymity, but the systems that you can build on top of that and the, the solutions that you can build on top of that for humanity, we just start understanding uh, uh, some, of the, some of those solutions. Um, one way to, to look at what's possible in this context is to look at what the EU, for instance, sorry, the UN, not the EU, uh, the UN has done with the social, uh, sustainable development goals, where we now have hundreds of startups who are literally congregating around the sustainable development goals and create uh, emerging technology solutions for the greater good of humanity. One thing, and I've said this at, at, at the WEF last year, World Economic Forum, and at various other places, one big problem is that all these attempts to, to create uh, emerging technology solution for the greater good of humanity, including for the sustainable development goals, they're all based on the existing perceptions on infrastructure and technology solutions in the crypto space. And we don't have those solutions yet. So we can talk a little bit about why markets are collapsing. Um, there are different theories on this, uh, and you are, I'm sure, very aware of what's happening in the markets right now. So some of the core problems, um, and I want to talk about liquidity in a second, which is a real problem. Uh, core problems is that investors in the first wave of ICOs and on, of these uh, crypto solutions have invested in projects that that simply made promises based on technology that was insufficient that they couldn't keep. So the promises they couldn't keep, right? And they, there is no not necessarily a, a, a bad intent, a malicious con conduct or intent. It is simply they assumed they could build solutions for humanity based on, on technology solutions that, that looked promising, but they simply weren't enough. And they started realizing this post-fundraising. So I don't want to blame them uh, for misleading investors, uh, but it's, I think, fair to say that uh, the overwhelming majority of those product, projects simply don't exist anymore. They, 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 they have not been able to deliver and that is partially because they build it on technology that simply doesn't allow these structures. Most people talk about this in the context of scalability, right? So we had Bitcoin uh, with uh, insufficient transaction uh, uh, amount numbers. There are various solutions to, to, to deal with this. Um, of course, very uh, inefficient hash mining. Um, up to seven, three to seven, three to five transactions per second. Then we had um, second generation smart contracting with Ethereum, 2015, with up to 17 transactions per second. And everybody else starts realizing it's just not enough. You can't build enterprise level solutions and um, sustainable solutions that benefit humanity on the suboptimal systems and infrastructure. So now everybody's rushing in and saying, oh, you know, we're going to be the next uh, Ethereum and we're going to create 50,000 transactions per second. Some people talk even about 300,000 transactions to get to Visa level type of transactions. Yes. This is all, this is, so and now we have this, the third generation, the so first generation Bitcoin, second generation Ethereum, and Ethereum gave us smart contracting. So it's, it's, there's no question that they have they are the leading shop right now with 80% of developers building on Ethereum. But 
the reason why we can't evolve and why all these this whole wave of ICOs literally is is gone right now. These these products haven't been built or aren't being built. The reason for that is that the infrastructure is is insufficient. So now people are saying, okay, well, we're going to build scalable blockchains. So we have Neo, we have Cardano, we have um, EOS. Um, in what is it? Neo claims ten thousand transactions per second. Uh, EOS claims with optimization fifty thousand transactions per second. Now I don't know if we've seen all the tests yet. Um, you were saying, you know, about the Ethereum, and I, I, I hear your point on that because you know when you talked about the ICOs, I was thinking that you know, ICOs the funding was given to all these you know startups to uh, you know with an uh, who came with an idea that we can build this. And they were given billions of dollars across nations, and without any verification or without having, you know, you reach certain milestones, then certain uh, funding will be released. So each each of these entrepreneurs, you know, startups, they got built so many millions in funding without or based on just an idea that I want to develop. If I say that I want to develop a risk management global risk management system on blockchain. And, uh, you know, people invest millions on it without me giving them sufficient proof just based on a white paper. That is not how the investment should happen. So there were fundamental flaws in how ICOs operated over the years. And the other point that you made was very interesting on the reputation verification. And to me, it seems that, you know, if we look at facial recognition technology, how it is being used in uh, China and how they are trying to reward uh, the good behavior. And similarly, we are developing these incentive mechanisms on blockchain to reward good behavior. And uh, that is also very interesting, you know, how all these technologies are going towards uh, uh, shaping human behavior. So that's very interesting. And as we rely on this economic theory, all this, you know, to discuss how blockchain technology will shape the different, you know, in innovations or different uh, systems or how we will be able to build that in the coming years the determining factors to me seems like it would be the cost of verification how we will be able to verify and the cost of networking that uh, will determine probably how at what rate we will be able to develop all these uh, innovative uh, systems on the blockchain and how it will be adopted how rapidly it will be adopted uh, across nations. Do you see that the cost of verification and cost of networking will play a determining role in the coming years? What do you mean by cost of verification? The cost of verification of any transaction, because if you see right now, the way these blockchain systems they are trying to define is that, you know, anybody, all these miners, that they will be oh i see what you're saying okay so you're talking about mining exactly yeah. so there are two ways of looking at this right so there is a um, exposed verification process and there is a block mining verification process right so we at samada we we have both uh, uh, both transactions play a role so if you're only talking about the cost of uh, block mining verification meaning block block propagation we, we use the word block propagation um, that cost obviously is right now um, exorbitant and a lot of people are uh, talking about new systems that quote unquote don't charge gas, right? There's a whole trend right now where people are saying, oh, you know, you, this, the consumer really sh shouldn't be uh, engaging with, ga with gas, shouldn't have to pay for it. 
consumers expect um, block propagation to be free. And so there's a whole movement right now that where people are saying, oh, you know, um, you can only really raise money if you're if this is about raising money if you offer a blockchain that doesn't charge gas. Of course, that's a fallacy, right? Because if it's a true blockchain, you can't build a technology without gas. That's part that's part of the block propagation process. You use the fees from gas from gas that people pay for gas to facilitate the verification, be it hash mining, proof of stake versus various other systems. So for anybody to run around and say, oh, this is uh, this is a free service. Uh, that's that. That's just not what it is. It's a. It's a new. It's a. It's a different way of paying for the for the service that may result uh, in the perception for consumers to think that this is a free uh, transaction. Whereas in in fact, the block propagation fees are just differently paid. They pay, paid in a different way, right? So um, the cost. Of itself, so so one of one of the ways to address the cost, and this is going to your question, is um, to look at uh, other consensus algorithms. So proof of stake is the first one. Um, there are various other uh, attempts out there um, to to try and make the, remove the cost element. But all of this comes down to the the certain trade-offs in in trying to set up these systems. So. The perfect blockchain that doesn't exist, that pretty much that's the, the holy grail, if you want, of blockchains, is a blockchain that addresses the tripartite, the trilemma, if you want, of blockchains. It has to be, one, fully decentralized, yes. two, scalable, and three, secure, right? So Bitcoin right now is secure and uh, but but is not fully decentralized. A lot of people would argue that. But if you look at the whale mining, uh, three you know Bitcoin addresses in China and so forth, that's not decentralized. That's a that's a that's a point of centralization that will lead to corruption ultimately of the system, right? So, uh, but Bitcoin is secure. There's no question about that. Um, and so, the currently the trade-off for all of these systems is between security and scalability. So. All of these these systems that are now third generation post Ethereum that are trying to try to scale uh, blockchains, try to show that you can build enterprise solutions on top of it, they all make compromises on the security side. They all say, they are all saying yes, we need to go get to scaling. Thus, we're going to move away from the security of hash mining. Now, arguably, you for it depends on what you need. Um, for which business solutions you need, not all blockchains have to be arguably in all business contexts as secure as hash mining in Bitcoin. Right? So there's a whole debate about this. Of course, the ideal blockchain, the, the ideal solution here is still the solution that, I, that addresses the trilemma. The trilemma, again, decentralization, scalability, and security. Any blockchain that, 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 that accomplishes the three of them and solves that trilemma, and by the way, we're nowhere near, right? To <laughs> be clear, there's nobody right now that 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 has all of those three elements, right? Right. As a public blockchain, um, once we have the some some blockchain fulfilling those, now we're talking about starting starting to create um, infrastructure solutions for decentralized commerce and for for solutions that enable for solutions for humanity, right? So be it sustainable sustainable development goals or other uh, other perspectives on this, but we need to overcome the trilemma. Yes. And 
Samara, this is exactly what Samara, Samara Research Institute does. So we are developing these protocols that ultimate, the ultimate objective is to create a blockchain through these protocols that, that, that fulfills the needs, the infrastructure needs in overcoming the trilemma. Yeah. That's really, I'm really glad to know that. But I think I would add one more one more factor there: interoperability. Because as yep. we see the public and private blockchains, we will need to make sure that you know they are all interoperable as we go forward. And I, I as I see, you know, as I evaluate all these different uh, platforms that we have, uh, I think uh, we perhaps need uh, entirely new kind of you know blocks. Uh, that would be scalable. So probably all the existing solutions that are out there probably are not that will not be sustainable. You know, if you want to build all these systems on it, you know, in the coming years, we will perhaps need a block that will be entirely different. That will not be just digital. That will be probably you know analog and digital. It will be a fusion of that, and that will be energy efficient. That will be temperature resistant. That will be it, it will have many many different characteristics because we have to look at coming tomorrow where what we will be building on that and what kind of challenges we will be facing because if we are building this internet 2.0 or decentralized system then we want to make sure that you know it is heat resistant that it is uh, uh, the blocks have enough capacity that you know it can have store all that data that we will be you know collecting or will be transferring through that and what how much data it should store and uh, whether you know all these uh, blocks so there are too many questions and too many variables that we still have to figure out before we can say for sure that yes we can build these decentralized systems uh, on using this blockchain technology it is it is giving us a strong foundation and strong potential but i i agree with you on that that we are nowhere near on uh, you know having this decentralized system and moreover these entries and transaction on this distributed ledger it's not just about the currency or we can uh, we also have intellectual property go through that we can have equity mark you know go through that or information or uh, any physical assets you know that has been uh, translated into a digital format that can go through that or even what you know interests me most is the security risk that can go yep. through that. So we will have to, you know, create and figure out this entire, you know, um, founding, you know, principles or platform or protocols that would be able to incorporate all these different, you know, variables. And well, in each of these transactions, I mean, most of, as we see today that, you know, tokens play a very important role, that, you know, coins, you know, that everyone comes up with their own coin uh, for any of the initiative that they are, you know, coming out with but not every initiative requires tokens to play a role so if tokens may or may not play a role in the coming tomorrow for all these uh, initiatives that we are trying to build so how would market capitalization be calculated i mean how, that is just because you have such a you know interesting background in this you know economics crypto economics so how would we calculate this market capitalization you know if tokens may or may not play a role in the coming year years with all this uh, decentralized system that we develop um yeah so i mean first of all uh, using market capitalization as a means of measurement of course is, is deeply flawed right um there are much better systems that one can use so in lieu of that what we're doing right now is we're only looking at market capitalization um so arguably 
so so the 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 pure focus on market capitalization alone um, is not enough. There there are other technological solutions that um, that need to be built to to show that um, that the that this this crypto economic environment is is proliferating. So one thing that we take major issue with is, for instance, um, this assumption that uh, the efficient capital market hypothesis should apply in the crypto environment. Now, a lot of traders, for instance, will tell you that the efficient capital market hypothesis, so this is pharma, uh, pharma French and, and others, um, so this is over 100, 100 years of research uh, on how markets function. A lot of traders will tell you now, you know, uh, these assumptions don't go out the window. Markets are not always efficient. We that's how we make money, right? So okay, uh, but yet there is an overall trend to suggest that markets are efficient. So how can we assume that markets are efficient in the in the in the crypto environment, right? Um, and one big problem with this is that we simply don't have the same disclosure standards, the same baseline disclosures in crypto that we have in, exist in the existing capital market. So imagine a system in which you are making, so, so an individual uh, makes, makes a disclosure to the crypto market and says, we have developed XYZ, this is a great product, this will um, increase our profitability in the future, hence uh, people start buying it. Right now, in the crypto field, literally, it's 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 like lemmings. People follow lemmings over cliffs, right? So uh, somebody gets the word out about uh, something that's hot and new, but there are no baseline disclosures over this. Nobody is saying here's the mandatory disclosures that everybody has to agree to uh, to make. They, they're they're literally just rumors. People are making investment decisions based on quote unquote inside information. That's another big problem. Front-running insider trading in the crypto market is a huge problem. And that's why sooner or later this will all be shut down um, if it's, if it's um, taking place on centralized exchanges. Um, so people, people are making these investment decisions um, based on incomplete disclosures. In efficient markets, the market would automatically discount the pricing, the, pr the, pr the, pr the price based on a given disclosure. Meaning if you report something that's very beneficial, but you don't have a baseline disclosure regime, the disclosure you're making that would result in a huge uptick in an efficient market with, with, with a disclosure regime simply cannot exist because people don't know if what you're saying is actually true. So, if the market is efficient in a, in a liquid market, people would discount what the issuer would disclose simply because there is no means of verifying that this information is true and, and, and correct, right? In, in centralized markets and share markets, we have Edgar, we have 10Ks, 10Qs, 8Ks, all of the disclosure regimes. So people trade based on a baseline of information that is the same across the board. That facilitates an, an efficient market and creates trust in transactions. We don't have that in crypto right now. We're trading like, like lemmings. We are jumping on some information that we think is true. There is no fundamental analysis. Now, there's a lot of crypto hedge funds out there that, are, that have, quote, unquote, uh, um, analysts doing research. Um, and, but they're doing research based on perceptions that are not 
supported by baseline disclosures, right? So what the market does, if this once we get to a, a more liquid market, arguably even now, what the market does is it discounts whatever these institutions are saying. Meaning, now imagine a system in which you're creating a verification process for disclosures in the crypto market, for issuer disclosures in the crypto market. And that's a baseline uh, of disclosure that that comes with penalties if you if you are not uh, making the appropriate disclosure. So a lot of folks in the crypto space are like, oh my gosh, what are you talking about? This this is a free market environment. We don't want any of that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm at Samada. We would look at this as a as a um, quasi mandatory disclosure that is still voluntary, right? So you're you're creating a system in which you have a verification engine for disclosures that are being made by a third party. In this case, it could be the Samada platform, for instance. So somebody uh, makes a disclosure and Samada verifies, based on all the uh, evidence posted, Samada verifies that this disclosure was accurate. Now, you, th this issuer can say to the public, hey, I have a verification source for this information to the market, trade based on this information. It was it was verified. Now, once that that, that type of system takes hold, most people would want to verify their disclosures before releasing to the public because you would not be traded the same if you disclose something without verification, right? People would not trust that that source, would not trade on that information because it wasn't verified. So this, it's a market factor for creating a disclosure regime as a baseline to facilitate a, a system in which we can we can create an efficient market, right? So this is this is so. And the underlying rationale for all of this, of course, is that you want to try and um, overcome the current discounting that's happening in the marketplace, where people are literally just not trading on truthful information because they don't know they cannot they can't they cannot verify that what this issuer disclosed is actually true, and because they can't verify, is people can't do fundamental analysis. This is. It's all it's because there's no baseline. Hence, we're ending up in a lemmings market where people, and, and with that comes the volatility, right? The, the unbelievable level of volatility that is, again, to my earlier point, that is a huge problem for the space. You don't have the disclosures. You don't have the trust in the market space. Hence, you're creating all this volatility. And with that volatility, you cannot build decentralized commerce solution that benefit humanity. You can't build it because how is grandma, talk about going mainstream, how is grandma ever going to pay her bread with cryptocurrencies if the value of her cryptocurrencies could be half next week, right? This, the people are never going to trust this. So you need to, and, and this is, so th these, are, these, are, these are just some of the elements with, with that I illustrated that, that all in the end go hand in hand but you need to create protocols that address these issues in turn, one after the other. Um, so one of the big push initiatives that we have is st a stable currency that takes out the volatility. Two, you need to create liquidity solutions. You need to create, uh, and uh, again, this is all going to infrastructure development to create these solutions for decentralized commerce for humanity, right? For greater solutions for humanity. Um, you need to create the stability you need to create the liquidity. You need to create actual utility utility solutions where people use it 
to create full-on utility solutions in, the, in those systems, not just some random work coin where people may or may not understand what they're working with. They have to be real use cases. That's what I'm trying to say. Real no, use cases that get people on. So all of these ICOs that we currently have where people try to you know, corner the market and create their own, so they're not real use cases, commercial grade use cases. And then lastly, governance. Let's say we create stability, liquidity, and use cases, just for the argument, sake of the argument, right? Which we are not, that we don't have it right now. That's, that, that, we, we are not at that level. But let's say we can create it. And Samara is working very hard with a huge team of over 20 people now to create stability, liquidity, uh, and utility solutions, just on the protocol level, right? Let's say we get those three, and others are two, right? And that's all wonderful, but we need to create those three. Let's say we have them in a few years' time fully-fledged um, uh, enterprise-level scalable blockchains, we, and we overcome, we, we, we create, we overcome the, 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 the trilemma. Let's say we get all of those solutions into place. You still have a big problem, and that problem is governance. Yes, yes. What do I mean by this? What I mean by this is hard forking is not a solution, a sustainable solution. It, there are studies now on the, uh, that try to quantify the economic loss of hard forking. Some people argue economic benefit. Some people are still writing papers about socially optimal hard forking. There's, there's, there are uh, game theoretical experiments and published papers on all of this. You cannot create a sustainable solution on emerging technology for humanity unless you fix governance. Absolutely. Governance is the absolute core. So this is governance of uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations, right? That, that has to be created. And this governance has to be organic and evolutionary. Hard forking is not a solution, a sustainable solution to develop decentralized commerce for the greater good of humanity. It is not enough. So governance has to, has to mean two things. It has to be DAO governance, uh, individual DAOs and organizational behavior, and it has to be protocol level governance within uh, on the consensus algorithm level, but also on um, apologies, um, but also on the level of on the protocol level. Yeah. Um, I really want to make this point. Um, so, how do you create governance in so governance? <clears throat> How do you create protocol level governance that is evolutionary, that does away with hard forking? Built right now, well, they, we, we need, again, I want to go back to my other part um, stability, liquidity, utility. Let's say we and others build it. Everybody still has the problem that as things change, the existing protocols, the hard-coded uh, levels, and the, and the rules that apply in those protocols, they also have to change because things change, right? We are, we're dealing with exponential trend in innovation, exponential uh, changes in society. Um, how do you create a mechanism that follows these trends and allows new solutions as things emerge? that moves away from this hard forking and the economic loss of hard forking. 
that's that's the the fourth element of of our research agenda where we absolutely focus on create so the, our core focus is on creating evolutionary governance solutions that allow us to implement these infrastructure elements that I out outlined and get and, and evolve with it over time yeah so without those four elements stability liquidity utility and governance there is no greater solutions for there cannot be we can't create greater solutions for humanity based on this emerging technology once we are there and this will take time so i just want to be clear engineers that i think they can copy and paste quick from one uh, code base to another and create a new solutions you're missing the mark because you need to do the research on the foundational elements that that then create new solutions and based on these that research you can get to the next level a lot of folks are simply you know either for idiosyncratic reasons or for um, um, economic output reasons incentivized right now to create quick solutions based on existing technology that's not enough you need to get we can only evolve with this technology if we create the these four four elements of protocols and based on those we create actual solutions for the infrastructure now we can build now we can create all kinds of dapps and all these other things that may not have use cases but we at least we have the the, the underlying technology right right and that's where we are right now in the space. In this space, we need to get to the next level. And if we don't overcome those solutions, we cannot go to the next level. And we can't build this, the. So in other, in other words, we, we cannot fulfill the promise of this emerging technology unless we build that those four elements in infrastructure. You make an excellent point about this succession because this is more like a crypto succession. If we do not think through about if we want to exit this way, exist the current way of our doing things, current way of commerce, current way of, you know, financial, you know, system or, you know, any other system. And we want to take it all on blockchain without understanding what will be the cost of the exit of from those systems and whether we will be able to provide the stability, security and sustainability on the blockchain system. If we go without, then, you know, if we just succeed just based on the promise of the technology, then we will lose a lot. And I, somebody asked me a question recently on that, you know, uh, why you do not support Bitcoin or cryptocurrency strongly? And I told them that if we are telling everyone, a common man, to become their own banks and put all their life saving or life earnings on in form of cryptocurrency, they don't even know how to, you know, secure their own computers. And when they don't know that, and if even the seasoned, you know, professional computer security professionals, if they cannot maintain the security of the computers, then how are they, you know, common men going to maintain the security of their, you know, public keys or private keys or, uh, you know, save all their cryptocurrency or, you know, keep it secure. So unless we come up with effective, security, stability, and sustainability solutions, we cannot just jump from one system to another just because based on the promise of the technology. Blockchain technology is very promising, but there is still a lot that needs to be figured out, like you just, you know, gave yeah. a, uh, described how what your efforts and your institute's efforts are working towards. We have to come up with proper, you know, thought leadership on that before we make a move and before we start uh, exploring all the blockchain technology to 
take us to a decentralization and not everything needs to be decentralized there will need to be you know a balance of uh, uh, centralization as well as decentralization and uh, governance like you said is extremely important we will need to come up with an evolutionary governance framework uh that uh, is uh, if I, that can effectively manage the existing emerging technologies having said that what would you like to tell our global viewers and listeners what would i like to tell them mm -hmm. so in addition to what you're describing as an issue the, the the four elements that i've outlined one major issue that that you touched on is the usability how can you actually expect the average consumer to engage with this technology if they have to understand what gas is, how gas functions, if they have to engage with uh, concepts of private keys, public keys, how to keep things uh, um, uh, private and, and secure. So anybody who's ever used SCADA or uh, MetaMask knows this is not something that your grandmother and your parents are necessarily comfortable using, right? Now in technology, we see, um, of course, mass adoption necessitates um, certain compromises. Yeah, so we have the early adopters and then uh, the, 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 the early uh, front runners and then the, the mass adoption. Um, so usability here for us, uh, is, is a huge issue. Now, there's some uh, technology solutions out there that start creating iTunes-type uh, private key management systems, among others, that actually recognize that what that this is this, this is needed. This, the usability has to be optimized, the user experience. Uh, but we're nowhere near that right now, right? So in, in addition to all the infrastructure uh, problems that I described, usability um, and user experience and user interaction with a technology can only happen, and with that, only a mass adoption can only happen if we actually set this up, this technology up in a way that literally, um, the way the way I do it is, whenever my people are building something for me, I, I give it to my six-year-old daughter, and I have her play with it. If she can't play with it, if she doesn't understand what to do and what the outcomes of her actions are with the technology, we have to go back to the drawing board. Now, this is an extreme case, I admit that, and I've tutored my daughter, of course, but um, that's usability has to be at that level in, in, in our estimation. You have to make it so simple and so natural and so much better for the user to be naturally gravitate towards it and uh, only then can you expect uh, mass adoption. We're nowhere near that. This will, in my estimation, this will take another three to five years. Yes, very true. And uh, that's more the reason. It's very important that we define effective standards, processes, frameworks, strategies, and rules for interactions of this you know, emerging decentralized crypto economic system that can work for everyone across nations. And this is more the reason why understanding crypto economics is so essential because if rules are not correctly defined, a decentralized crypto economic system is bound to collapse and fail, triggering very complex security risks for which perhaps no nation is prepared for. Yep. So thank you so much, Professor Carl, for participating in Risk Roundup today. We appreciate, we appreciate your thoughtful insight on the much needed thought leadership on crypto economics and our global viewers and listeners will benefit tremendously from the information you provided on the emerging decentralized crypto economic system. And even if a single individual or entity can come up with an idea to define effective standards or help you know, define effective standards, processes, frameworks, strategies, 
and rules of for interaction of this decentralized crypto economic system that can work globally for everyone based on the understanding they received from the discussion we had today this discount of dialogue has been of service and we thank you for that thank you very much Wonderful, Prasakar. So, Risk Roundup, a global initiative launched by Risk Group, is a security risk reporting for risk emerging for existing and emerging technologies, technology conversions, and transformation happening across cyberspace, geospace, and space. We at Risk Group believe that risk management, security, and peace they walk together hand in hand. Though security is related to management of threats and peace to the management of conflict, risk management is related to management of security vulnerabilities as well as management of conflict and it's not possible to conceive any one of the three without the existence of the other two all three concepts feed into each other we believe that the security we build for ourselves is precarious and uncertain until it is secure for everyone across nations tradition becomes our security so if we build a culture of managing risk effectively it will lead us to security and security will lead us to peace Let's manage the existing and emerging risks together. For more information on the Risk Roundup webcast, to hear the Risk Roundup podcast, please go to riskgroupalacy.com and do not forget to subscribe and share. Until next time, I'm Jayashree, host of Risk Roundup, signing off. See you next time. Thank you.